You're listening to a DM podcast. G'day guys, welcome to episode 215 of the Talking with TK podcast. My special guest today is South Sydney Rabbitohs front rower Mark Nichols. Mark's career has seen him play 110 NRL first grade games. He debuted at the Raiders in 2012. His journey also took him to the Melbourne Storm before he found some great consistency at the Rabbitohs where he's been since 2018. Welcome to the podcast, Mark Nichols. G'day, Mark. Hey, mate. How are you? Doing good, man. Great to have you on the show. And, you know, this year you've had a ripper year, but let's start with the story. I want to know a little bit more about the Nichols and a little bit more about Leeson. Uh, yeah, started. That's where the, I guess, the journey for me started. Um, grew up in Leeton, small country town uh, in southwest New South Wales. Um, Heart of the Murrumbidgee irrigation, so yeah, it was good. We uh, started in town, but um, when I was about seven or eight, we moved onto five acres, sort of on the fringe of town. So nice, wasn't quite a farm, but we had um, enough room for a motorbike and um, a big dam, and and then Dad built me a footy field. So how yeah, good? One of those mini mini posts. Did you get one of those? Yeah, yeah. He had the um, got the PVC pipes and. Um, Sort of built built two posts at each end. It was probably the field was probably seventy or eighty meters by about thirty. So, um, you know, for a kid that wanted to play NRL, it was it was perfect. Hang on, mate. When I was doing a little bit of research, there was a comment. I think it might have been Sammy Williams who said that you had a you goal kicked or something in flag. And is this where the goal kicking comes from, mate? All these backyard practices. Yeah, I did. Um, I kicked five from ten in uh, in the old Toyota Cup. Uh, under 20s there when I was at Raiders. So, um, yeah, funny funny story. I, I We had um, the sort of that year, uh, it was early that year, but we had like Jared Croker, Josh Dugan, um, Semi could kick a bit. So we had all these goal kickers, but um, a couple of them got injured and Croaks and um, Dukes went up the first grade and we sort of went from having like five kickers to none in the space of like two weeks. And so the, the coach was Andrew McFadden and he um and he sort of just said, Oh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a kickoff at training. I think we still had Mick Picker was our five eight and and he was the goal kicker, but he basically said, I don't know who's gonna kick after him. So we'll have a kickoff at training just for a bit of fun. Yeah. And uh and I ended up winning the kickoff and then you know, five minutes into the game that weekend, Mick Picker gets injured. And so the message comes out that I'm the goal kicker and all of a sudden it became a reality. I had to had to actually kick. And so the first week, the first week I went I went well, I kicked a couple from the sideline. And then um the next week, you know, with the having to think about it all week and the pressure of actually being the goal, goal kicker, I um I missed one at front. We played Cronulla at Shark Park. Um and I think it was about twenty we had like a twenty all draw, but I, I missed a goal from in front. So pretty much the boys were were into me and <laughs> I got the sack after I got the sack that week from the coach and never kicked again. So. There you go. But yeah, um, growing up with the footy field, I used to, uh, you know, dad tells everyone that, you know, even as a like 10 or 11 year old kid, I was, I was out on the, um, out on the footy field sort of versing myself, you know, I'd pretend to be, you know, Melbourne Storm versus the Bunnies and yeah, yeah. I'd run, run through all the players and um, yeah, kick, try and kick the goals um, for all the tries that I scored in the backyard versus no one. But uh, as I said, you know when you want to want to play football and you've got your own football field, it's um, pretty pretty good as a kid, mate. You should get into JD's here, mate. Reno's gone, Latrell suspended for round one. Like you, you could get a start here, mate. 
Oh no! I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, imagine if I um, started kicking goals too. It'd be, it'd be great. The fans the, would love it. Yeah, the goat, the goat with the goal kicking. How good, <laughs> mate! Yeah, back, back to Leeton. Like, how many people are actually in Leeton? I think it's about ten thousand. Okay. Um, you know, there's a few little towns and that around Leeton as well. So yeah, the the, the town's about ten thousand. Okay. Uh, give or take, I guess. Nice. Um, so yeah, sort of, sort of small town where you sort of know most people, I guess. Nice, mate. You know, you mentioned your old man before. Was he? Did he play rugby league? Yeah. So I grew up, um, yeah, from as young as I can remember, uh, watching my dad and my uncle play for the local first grade team. Um, yeah, and back then, sort of like NRL. Yeah, it was on late Friday night, so I probably I, I didn't really watch that as a young kid. Um, and then the only other the other game on on Channel Nine was the Sunday afternoon mm. game. And again, I, I didn't really watch it because I was I'd go watch my my dad and my uncle play local first grade. Um, so you know when I when I was real little, you know my heroes were sort of like the guys that played, you know my dad and my uncle, but yeah. the guys that played local first grade as well. You know like they were the guys I looked up to, and um, you know my my um, both my, like my grandparents. Um, owned a Weybridge company that was sort of like major sponsors for forever of the club. Um, and, and then my, you know, my dad's dad, my pa um, sort of was, you know, on the board and the um, secretary president at one stage. And he used to like mark the lines. He sort of did everything. And, um, you know, for about five years there, I was, I was the ball boy um, or the, or, you know, yeah, yeah. You alternated games, so one game you'd be ball boy, and the next game you'd be the sand, the sand guy. Yeah, nice. So you'd have to run the sand kicking <laughs> goals. Um, so yeah, as I said, growing up um, when I was really young, they sort of I'd play footy on Saturday and follow my dad uh, on the Sunday, and um, you know try and sort of emulate the guys that were playing local first grade. That's all I wanted to do. But as I got a bit older and um, started to watch a bit more NRL, then that's when the I guess the dream changed to, you know, aim a bit higher than um, playing first grade for, for the Leeton Greenies. Yeah, Mark, congratulations. I saw that you just got your, your grad certificate from university as well, mate. That's a, that's a big achievement, especially being a rugby league full-timer as well. But t- talk to me a little about little Mark and how he was at school. Yeah, I mean, I was – mum and dad were always pretty, pretty good on, um, I guess, enforcing – uh, you know, going to school and, and doing your best. Um, you know, as any country kid, I did a lot of sport. Mm. Uh, you know, I love sport. Um, but mum and dad, it was sort of always, you know, you can do sport, but as soon as your school starts to suffer, then um, you know, you'll lose you'll lose out on sport. And we sort of always had to, you know, when we first got home from from school, we used to always have to do our homework first, and then. We were allowed, once the homework was done, we could do whatever we wanted, you know, out in the backyard. So I was always, you know, I was always pretty, um, pretty good at school, and um, you know, mum and dad were a big influence there. And and then obviously, you know, um, tried to play as much sport as I could as well. Yeah. Now, Mark, in a little again research, you guys moved to Canberra, but for all the sporting glory you're starting to get, it was your sister that you moved guys for. Is that correct? <laughs> Yeah, she sort of says, um, you know, it wasn't all her, but yeah, it got to the point in her swimming career where she, um, 
she needed to train all year round and Leeton only had an outdoor pool open that, that was only open four or five months of the year. Yeah. Um, so mum and dad used to have to drive her to Griffith three nights a week um, in winter and it got to the point, you know, um, she, was, she would have been, I was 15, so she was 13 and sort of got to the point where, she, you know, she was competing with people from Sydney and Canberra that trained all year round and, um, yeah, mum and dad sort of just also, I guess, wanted you know, me, my brother and my sister to have as many opportunities as possible and wanted to move to a bigger area. And originally, we, I think they sort of thought maybe Albury or Wagga, mm. just, you know, as, as bigger sort of country cities. But um, both got good jobs in Canberra. So so we made the move to Canberra as a family. And um, I was there for a year just playing local footy for the Gungahlin Bulls. And then, um, you know, at the end of that year, sort of, the Raiders just put out a thing that they do every year saying, you know, come and try out for our under-16s team. And that's uh, that's what I did. I sort of had, you know, no, not, no one from the Raiders saying come and try out. I just I just did it like any other, any kid in Canberra that wanted to play for the Raiders. Yeah, nice. Mark, were you always a front rower, mate? No, I was always an edge-back rower. Okay. Um, so I played all, all my junior reps at Raiders and all my junior footy as an edge-back rower. And um, my first year out of 20s – you know, playing Q Cup back then because um, the rate it was the last year that the Raiders were with South Logan. I flew up the Queensland every week, played edge back row, and then uh, that that off season, um, Dave Ferner was the coach of, of first grade and just sort of said in my end of season review that um, that he thought I might be a bit slow, I guess, to be a to be an edge back rower, and sort of thought that. Um, you know, my future, if I was to play NRL at that point, was going to be in the middle and sort of said we well, opened to, to move into the front row. Yeah, big big move, but obviously it's paid off in the, the end. But, mate, early in, in those times, was there, a, was there a senior player that took you under the wing? Uh, not necessarily. Um, I guess as any young fellow, you sort of, you know, you, you try and learn as much as you can off the old blokes. Mm. Um, you know, when I first went into – into that top squad at, at Canberra, there was guys like Josh Miller and Alan Tung um, that were just really, really good trainers, you know, like they would just, you know, 110% in everything that they did. Um, and I guess sort of those are the type of players, I guess, you know, the guys that probably don't have the natural talent that some other players have, but, you know, went on to play 150, 200 first grade games just through pure work ethic, you know, and, and, and obviously a little bit of talent. Um, you know, so guys like that, I sort of, I guess, I looked up to, um, you know, and, and we, you know, those early years, we sort of had a lot of big front rollers, Dane Tills and Tommy yeah. Leroy Lars and David Shillington and Brett White, you know, those those sort of guys I used to hate having to get in a wrestle, <laughs> wrestle match with. But, um, yeah, it, it was sort of, I guess, um, there was a few young guys there, me, Paul Vaughan, you know, Shannon Boyd sort of coming through as as middles that used to sort of, I guess, look up to those bigger boys. Mate, you debuted against the Dragons at home, but, you know, David Ferner, you mentioned him before, your, your head coach. How did he break it to you that you'll be debuting? Yeah, well, I'd been um, I'd been 18th man sort of the three weeks before, and, um, and we played the week before they played uh, up in Townsville against the Cowboys, and I think it was Trevor Thurling and... Um, and someone else in the middle got injured. And so, you know, dad dad was – mum and dad, um, 
we're actually going to America on like the Wednesday with my brother and sister just for a family trip. Okay. And um, and so dad was like, well, I'm not going because, you know, Mark's definitely going to play. He's 18th man and <laughs> the likes have got injured. Um, and so mum was like, you know, don't be silly. We've we've had this trip booked for months, um, you know. And because on the Tuesday they named the team and, you know, they sort of, I guess, gave those guys – we're going to give those guys the opportunity to sort of play. So I wasn't even named in the 17. Yep. And um, and so mum was like, you know, we'll get on the plane and go. And um, I think it was about the Friday. Um, Dave said, you know, one of, I can't remember who it was, wasn't going to play, but he said, you're, you're in. Um, and we were playing Monday night at Canberra. So by that stage, dad had just landed in America and we wanted to get back on a plane to come home. But um, in the end, mum, mum made him stay in America. Yeah, how nervous were you on the bench, mate? Well, I, it was it was funny. I actually was the first interchange, so um, I was pretty nervous. And I guess Dave probably looked after me and got me straight out there, um, which was a bit of a surprise because I, I, I sort of I can't remember if he had told me otherwise, but I I was of the assumption that you know I'd probably go on late in the sec- late in the first half or even you know the second half, depending on how he. How we how we use the interchange, but I was the first one, so I was straight out there. Nice, um, which was good. Yeah, I, I still I still remember my, my first run was sort of um, you know they sort of dragons had kicked long, and I sort of ran on the field and just called the ball straight away, and somehow I end up running at um, Ben Hornby and Matt Cooper. So I must have been a bit nervous about running in the middle and sort of <laughs> trying to pick out some smaller guys out on the edge. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I, I sort of have a laugh with Benny now because he's obviously out one of our assistant yeah. coaches. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's for, for, for a young guy, um, you know, you work so hard for so long to get to that, that point. And, um, you know, it's, it was just, a, it was just a, something I'll obviously always remember. Yeah, for sure. Now, Mark, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. I've got a few videos. So I've clipped a few things from your career. I'm just going to play this yep. one back to you. Now... Uh, let's see where it is. Sorry, mate. It's your first ever try. Let's see if I can get this up. It was up here before. It was a cracker, mate. You're wearing a headgear as well. Like, yeah. while I get this video up, let's see if I can get this up. Sorry, mate. Yeah, while I get this video up, explain the the headgear. Yeah, well, I, I, I always wore a headgear as a young guy. Um yeah, my mum made me wear a headgear like most footy mums do, and um, yeah, I just, I just, I'd always worn one. Um, and that first year of that first year out of twenty, in the first um, half of the ra- Sorry, mate, did that come up? Oh, I heard the commentary, but no, it didn't come up. All right, I'll play the commentary to you later. But yeah, sorry, Mark, go ahead. Nah, so as I said, I always, I always wore a headgear um, until. The first time I didn't was playing when I when I went up to play Q Cup um, for South Logan my first year out of twenties and it was a bit hot wearing a headgear so I um, I stopped wearing a headgear and then the next year um, we we went back to New South Wales Cup and I just sort of started I guess wearing it again and um, I can't remember at what point it I stopped wearing it but yeah my first couple of years of, of NRL I definitely had the headgear on nice I like it let's see if I can bring this up Not for you in the first half of the Raiders to test the right side defence once more I kick from Williams John Wright goes high and lost it it's picked up is it they're still in the ground they'll go close to scoring the referee's going to have a look at it for, for 
Here we go. I think I've. Did I come up? Yeah, I got it. And lost it. It's picked up, is it? It's still in the ground. They'll go close to scoring. The referee's going to have a look at the ball upon the throw. No, he's not. He went back like he was going to. Nichols is over, but he's then going to have a look at it. And this time, video referee Russell Smith saw enough to give the home side. Wait, how good. You and Dane Tills could nearly be twins back then. Yeah, I was probably uh, a bit leaner than what I am now, a bit of a string bean. But uh, <laughs> it's funny, I hadn't I hadn't seen that try for a long time until probably about six months ago. Someone someone tagged me in it, and, okay. and over time, I'd sort of thought I ran a lot further, which was pretty funny. <laughs> As they do, mate. Were yeah, you shooting yeah, yourself was, when Chachin went to the video ref? Well, I knew I'd scored it straight away, but then okay. uh, it went to the video ref and they kept looking at it and I thought, oh, don't tell me they're going to you know, sort of take it off, take it off me, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I'd sort of told all the boys, yeah, yeah, I scored, I scored. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they kept, they looked at it. You know, I don't know if it was just because it was my first try and um, I, sh- I was showing a bit more interest, but they seemed to have watched the replay a, a few times and started <laughs> to make me nervous. But yeah, the, the um, green light come up, so... Pretty happy to get the uh, first try. How good. Now, mate, talk to me about the first three years because first year you played about a dozen games, only a couple games. I think you got injured in the second year. How bad was that injury? Because you completely didn't play 2014, right? Yeah, so I um, I debu- debuted uh, 2012 and, and played every game from my debut onwards. And it was, um, yeah, it was a crazy year because – when I debuted, we sort of weren't really going that well at Canberra. We were almost last. Mm. And um, and then we went on a bit of a run um, and ended up make ended up finishing sixth and having a home semi, um, which we won. And sort of, um, you know, I remember at one stage, sort of my second or third game, we played the Titans at home in front of about 6,000 people and got booed off at half time. And then, you know, that first... First semi, there was twenty five thousand people there, and we and we beat Cronulla, and the yeah. atmosphere was yeah crazy, and um, it was just it was just crazy. It was a crazy year, and as I said, I, I sort of played every game, and um, got to the end of the year, got Rookie of the Year, and I sort of thought, you know, how easy is first grade? This is, this is <laughs> um, living the dream, you know. I, I sort of re-signed on an upgraded contract, and um, and sort of thought I was, I thought I'd made it. Um, but yeah, I had a really good preseason the next year and sort of um, played well in the trials. And um, as we had um, Brett White and, and Tommy Leroy were sort of, I think Brett White was coming back from an ACL, and um, you know Tommy was sort of getting towards the end of his career. And sort of Dave said after the trials that he was going to pick me on the bench, and he wasn't sure which one of those two guys he was going to pick. But um, you know, he sort of said, "You've done enough to to get in front of those guys," which you know, it was I was sort of really proud of because that sort of year that I debuted, I got my chance, I guess, because other guys got injured, um, some of those older senior blokes. And, you know, we, we started the year um, Penrith at Penrith and we got beat by about 40. And then um, sort of Dave said, we're going to make changes if if that performance happens again. And then the next week we got beat by by the Titans uh, up at the Gold Coast and probably by about, about the same margin. And... Um, and went into Monday Monday review, and Dave made one change, and that was me um, getting dropped. So, you know, I sort of, um, you know, look back on it now, but 
you know, I, I sort of didn't handle it well as a young guy, um, you know, sort of kicked stones and, and, um, and got on, got on the piss a little bit and, um, I guess went back to Reggie's with the wrong attitude, mm. um, you know, which is sort of something that now that I, when, you know, when I see young guys in the same position, I try to have a bit of a word to them, but, um, you know, I, I sort of went back to Reggie's and, uh, and again, um, as I said, I was sort of gotten a bit of a funk for a couple of weeks, just had the shits and, um, you know, just had a poor attitude and, and sort of tried to, um, you know, instead of facing it head on, I sort of, try to run away from it and get on the get on the beers a little bit and um and then probably you know about six weeks later uh, a couple of guys got injured again and um you know obviously wasn't playing my best footy in, in reggie's as you can imagine and um me, me good mate paul vaughan was killing it so mm. you know he got called up to make his debut and that's probably when i realized you know like that's it doesn't matter how many games you've played or or you know who you are it's you, you, the next guy up is based on who's playing well in reserve grade, which it should be. And um, and it's probably, probably you know, was the wake-up call I needed. But, you know, two weeks later I got injured and um, shattered my forearm. So um, I think it was about 10, round 10 and um, straight away that, that was sort of said season over. Wow. Uh, yeah, so, um, it was you know, as I said, I, I sort of – I've done a few um, – sort of few guest speaking roles um just about having the right mindset and how you handle adversity and stuff like that and um yeah that's one of the things i talk about is how that year had started so well for me but um just because i wasn't able to to handle one setback um you know the year was a bit of a waste in the end um and then obviously dave um ferner got sacked at the end of that year or got got replaced by ricky and um you know, Ricky came in and sort of, I guess I struggled to get a run under Ricky for, for two years and that's how I ended up at Melbourne. Yeah. Now, Mark, you know, we talk about in our life's great influences and, you know, you're back, the career now, last four years at South Sydney, you've found so much consistency. But, like, was there, is there a particular person that's helped you mould the kind of mindset that you've got now? Oh, I don't not not don't know if it's a particular person but yeah i guess um you know there's a couple of things you know as i said i, I um i sort of struggled to get a run under ricky for two years at canberra and you know i was 25 and off contract and um had the opportunity to stay at stay at canberra or um you know had a two-year deal at the warriors on the table um or i could go to melbourne you know on the minimum for a one year no no promises but at 25 um you know i was sort of at that point where i only played i think at that stage uh 19 games in in five seasons and i guess it was i sort of you know for 10 or 15 years melbourne had been turning players like me into first grade players so yeah. i sort of thought you know why not go down there and, and give it a crack and i guess when you do you go down there um you know, one of the things I probably learned is a bit of, bit of gratitude and just, um, you know, I guess I, I wanted to go down there and prove as a footy player and I definitely did that. And, you know, even though I only played nine games in two years, you know, if I'd said that before I went down there, I probably would have said that, you know, that that would be an unsuccessful two years. But I improved as a footy player, um, 
you know, I met my I met my now wife. So, you know, I, I sort of started to improve, I guess, as a person and um, got a lot of stability in my life, mm. um, you know, and, and happiness. And, and as I said, you know, when you're, when you're at a team and you're playing reserve grade and the first grade team's losing, you know, you can get a bit frustrated because you think, well, you know, why not just give us, give some guys a chance and see what happens. But when you're at the best team in the comp and you're playing reserve grade, it's, you don't really get frustrated. You know, you sort of just want to take it all in and enjoy the ride and learn as much as you can. Um, you know, and, and that's what I think Melbourne do really well is they put a lot of effort into the guys, into the fringe guys. So even though you're not playing first grade, you can still see your footy improving. And, um, you know, as a footy player, that's I guess that's all you want um, to know you're getting better. And and obviously then, you know, had the opportunity to come to South and I guess show that I had improved as a footy player. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought up, like, the stability of your life off the field. And I think that kind of relates to not just football but even work in general, like, when we're happy off, you know, away from work, we're generally happier people and perform at work. But talk to me a little bit about that, your stability that you got with your wife. You've just become a father as well. So talk to me a little bit about fatherhood. Yeah, I'm um, 18 months old now, Darcy is. So um, she's at that whirlwind age, um, getting into everything. But, yeah, put, I guess when you just – when you have a, um, a daughter, I guess it just puts into perspective a little bit about – what you do, you know, you you go to footy training and first thing you see when you come in the door is is Darcy running up to me and smiling and happy to see her dad. Um, but also, you know, it gives you something to motivate you, I guess, to, to also push to go further when, you know, when you're at training and, and um, yeah, I guess as any parent, you just want your kids to be proud of, proud of who you are and what, what you've done and, I guess, also be that role model for them. Um so yeah, she's uh, she's great. I um, yeah, I, I love being a dad. It's it's funny. I um, I still remember when I was in under twenties um, at at the Raiders, and Andrew McFadden was our coach, and he sort of said to me at one stage, you know, the best thing you'll do for your footy career is is settle down and you know find a partner and have kids <laughs> and stuff like that. And you know, as a nineteen year old, that went in one ear and out the other. But ten years later, when I finally did. Um, you know, settle down and start and have have a daughter, and I started playing good footy. I realised he was probably right, hundred <laughs> percent. Now, mate, just taking you back to the the storm days, that couple of years when when you turned up, did you have to do the army camp? Yeah, did the uh, had to do the work program. Um, what they put? What they put you in? Uh, so the first first couple of days, I was just helping out a gardener. Um, so this, I, I ended up raking leaves for about two days straight, and then um, and then the last few days we were we were at a um, it was a builder. Um, so he was built he was building a duplex, but he was sort of building down like having a basement. Um, so it was you know pretty fancy duplex, and it was me and Jeremy Hawkins. So we we'd both been at the Raiders together and, and gone down to Melbourne, and it was funny because you know the first two days as I said we just we were raking nonstop, and then. The last couple of days when we were with the builder, um, they were they were struggling to um, they'd hit chip rock and so they sort of weren't they were sort of like moving real slow um, and there wasn't really much for us to do so we sort of were like getting a bit scared that you know Craig would turn up or someone from the club would come check on us and most of the time we were sort of just sitting under the tree watching this watching this bloke trying to excavate um, you know this ground that was going nowhere and even at one stage like. 
you know, it started raining a little bit and they sort of went, oh, well, we, you know, we're going to go home um, and locked up the building site. And we, me and Jeremy didn't know what to do. We were too scared to sort of go back to training because, you know, everyone was rocking up to training in the afternoon wrecked, you know, like they were just working hard. And <laughs> here we were at like 12 o'clock sitting there and with nothing to do, we were just sitting in his car and we're like, what do we do? You know, what happens if Craig turns up and we're, you know, we're not working or what if we leave and someone turns up and no one's here and um, it's all sort of that that mind games are going down to a Melbourne preseason. Um, but, yeah, and then, and then obviously you have the army camp before Christmas and you sort of only have to do it the first year you go down there. So um, everyone who's already there has done it and know they're not doing it. So they're more than happy to tell you how hard it is and um, – yeah, as I said, for that four, four or five, six weeks leading into it, you're already doing a hard preseason as it is, um, you know, as Melbourne's renowned for. But then you also got all the guys that are that have already done it that are sort of more than happy to tell you when you're sitting in the spa at the end of the day how how hard the army camp is. So it's all you're thinking about for like six weeks is how hard this army camp's going to be. Yeah. Now, Mark, you spoke before about you know making the most of a move to the storm because of pretty much the system and what they do down there. But just to give us an insight, like, is it the intensity? Is it the competition? Like, what's it like over there? Do you think that really stands them out? Oh, I think, yeah, it's just a, I think they're just a well-oiled machine. Um, you know, I guess the, uh, you know, the front office works well. And then, you know, Craig, obviously, um, you know, he's the hardest working man at the storm, you know, like, He's in at four thirty, five o'clock every morning training, and then yep. you know he's in his office before most blokes have even walked in the door. And then you know he's always in his office when you leave. So um, you know that's that's the standard, I guess, set in in terms of work ethic. And you know you quickly learn. Um, you know that's what's expected. I, I still remember, you know, my first couple of weeks of training, and um, you know after training, doing extras, and it's sort of like. You know, I guess at, at Canberra it was almost a little bit of a joke. You know that you, if you did extras, mm. you know, you too many extras. You know, people would start to say you're the teacher's pet or something. But <laughs> yeah, um, you know, down there you look over and like you know Dale Finucane and Jesse Bromwich and Kenny and like you know even Cam and and Billy and stuff like they're all doing extras after training for twenty minutes, thirty minutes. So you sort of realise like. If I'm not going to do it, then how am I going to get in the team? Because all the blokes in the team are doing it. So um, I guess it's just the standard that's, you know, been set from day one with Craig and, um, you know, the players that are there just withhold that standard. And and you talk about culture and I guess for young guys that go down there, you sort of, or, you know, even older guys that go down there, um, you quickly realise that, that's what's expected, and so you sort of just jump on board. Yeah, Mark, when you finished, you'd be able to write like a leadership and culture book, like when you think what you had at camp with Ferns and Ricky, and then you went to Storm with Craig and all his assistants. You had Siebes and now Wayne Bennett and JD. It's, you, it's like one of those things. It's like a little, a little thing on the side that not a lot of people get to experience. It's, it's, it's great, but, man. Yeah, yeah, I guess um, yeah, it's one of the benefits, I guess, of – of working with with guys and just seeing the different leadership styles, you know, like Craig and Wayne have obviously both been very success, successful, but two completely different styles of coaching, um, you know. And, and who 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 are you to say one's better than the other? But um, 
yeah, as I guess, you know, for a player, it's it's, it's good to um, to have those sort of guys um, looking to improve you every day. Yeah, for sure. Now, I just want to stick on leadership. And before we talk about the Souths days, I've just got this clip to play up. And then I want to just chat to you about leadership. So we all know forwards. They do the tough carries, get line speed, east-west, kick pressure. I mean, halfbacks are smart. But if you look back at the past two decades of this club, the most inspirational leaders, Sam Burgess, OG Goat John Sutton, Big Bad Brian Fletcher... They're all forwards. It's about time this team had a forward as a skipper. <laughs> who better than a forward who scored a double last year? <laughs> In all seriousness, boys, play with effort, do your job, have fun, and we will get the two competitions. Yeah, Mark, I love it. I love it. Mate, have you ever read this book? It's called The Leader Who Had No Title. Have you ever read that? Nah. It's a fantastic book. It's just all about leadership and like, you know how like most people assume that managers or coaches have to be the leader or the guy with the the C. So this book is literally telling you like all the different things you need to do to help your organization or your team, et cetera, et cetera, without having the captain, and, you know, you got Club of the Year this year and speaking to a few of your teammates, everyone loves you. So, obviously, it's a huge thing that you do, even though so, that day you were the captain, but the majority of the time you don't have the C next to your name. So, can we just talk a little bit about your leadership approach and your role within the team? Yeah, I, um, I guess I haven't really thought about it too much, but, um, yeah, I guess, I guess as a player, I sort of, just the just that guy that turns up every day wanting to do his best and um you know and and do my job um and do it to the best of my ability which you know i guess um as a teammate that's all you want out of out of your other teammates um you know i guess as I've probably um you know as i said when i when i got that award i've sort of you know enjoyed i guess flying under the radar a little bit so you know this season's been um yeah, it's been crazy when I, I think back of some of the stuff that's um, that's happened, and when you know, even where I've come from in my career to 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 what happened this year, it's um, yeah, it's been it's been a, a hell of a ride. Um, but yeah, I guess as a as a leader, I just it's, I guess I'm sort of probably one of those guys that just wants to um, you know lead by example more than more than what they say, and um, even though I, I sort of did that speech and um, I guess that's probably why I got such a reaction that it did is because I'm probably not that guy that normally does something like that. But, um, but yeah, Wayne, Wayne sort of, sort of G'd me up a couple of days beforehand and, and uh, <laughs> got, got me to do a speech. Uh, when did Wayne tell you that you were going to be captain? Uh, so we, we, um, we had the, we had a meeting on the Monday morning, uh, just a review of the game before and, Sort of the week before, um, there was a bit of talk about if we sort of were in a good position that we'd, um, or even the sort of couple of weeks before, if we're in a good position, we'd probably rest blokes for that last game. And at one stage, you know, the week before, Cookie sort of said to me, you know, you and Tommy have played every game. Um, 
you know, so you, I guess you guys probably be looking at getting a rest. And so I, I sort of was half expecting to, um, to be, to be rested, um, just because I had played every game and, um, and then sort of Wayne didn't say anything. He just sort of announced the team after review and and sort of announced the front rolls and, and he didn't name me. So I thought, oh, yeah, I'm getting rested. But then he ended up sort of naming the lock and said, you know, and, you know, playing lock this week and captain will be Mark Nichols. And sort of, I was a bit of, again, a bit of a shock. Um, there was captain. And then later in the week, I was on the massage bed and he, and he sort of come up to me and said, oh, I, I the the sort of training that day before the massage, um, we'd sort of because because we that team that we named we had, had a lot of young guys and some you know guys a lot of guys that hadn't played footy for most of the year had sort of just been up in the bubble training and yep. we sort of got towed up a bit at training um, defensively and at the end of training JD just said you know like you pretty much just versed the best attacking team in the comp um, you know Cody's killing it so don't be too worried that, um, you know, you've been towed up a little bit at training. Um, and sort of after that, I, I sort of just said, you know, like if we complete our sets and and kick long, we won't have to defend our line as much as we just have at training. And and as JD had just said, you know, we, you know, if you give Cody, you know, a heap of ball on the trial line, he's probably going to make, you know, he's made NRL teams look silly all year. So, um yeah, so we, well, I sort of just had said it, said my, my piece at, after JD at the end of training and then Benji had sort of, I guess, G'd it up a little bit more than what it was to Wayne and sort of said that <laughs> I'd, um, I'd delivered this inspirational speech. And so Wayne sort of went with it from there and said, oh, you know, that afternoon I was getting a massage and he said, I want another, you know, inspirational speech on um, whatever day. Well, I think it might have been Friday before the captain's run and um and he sort of said, you know, I want you to really G it up and talk about your two tries and and, and stuff. And said, you know, like write it on a piece of paper so it looks like you're going to get up there and talk for ten minutes. So, you know, a lot of the um, a lot of the credit has to go to Wayne because he sort of gave me the ideas for the speech and the and the rest sort of came off the back of that. But nice. yeah, the, the boys loved it and um, it was, I didn't sort of realise it was getting filmed, but luckily it did because it's everyone sort of loved it as well. Definitely, mate. Now you know Wayne Bennett. You see, like. I see him sometimes like dancing in the dressing room and stuff like that. Is he behind the scenes? Is he a bit of a joker? Oh, he's a massive joker. It's funny, like in the media, he's such a, you know, sort of, he almost puts on that cranky old man persona. But, um, you know, behind closed doors, he's the complete opposite. Um, you know, he loves trying to, I guess, create an environment where where players want to come in and, and um, you know, just, just have be happy and and um, and have a bit of fun and and stuff like that. You know, he's obviously not not very old school with the um, you know video and and stuff like that. He sort of he's more about trying to create that environment. And I guess you know the the brilliance of Wayne going into that week was he knew we had a lot of guys um, who hadn't played. Um, you know, as I said, there was a lot of guys who hadn't played any first grade, and mm. um, you know. A lot of guys hadn't played any footy in sort of three months. So he sort of, you know, I guess to, to for me to get up and, and sort of say that speech, I guess just set the tone that at the end of the day, it's just another game of footy and go out and have fun, you know, like don't overthink it. It's, you know, you don't have to be stressed about the fact that you haven't played footy for three months. Just go out and have fun. That's what it's all about. It's, uh, you know, while, while we 
all started playing rugby league and and why we continue to do so and um yeah i guess in the end it, it works so as i remember um when i found out that the film was was uh that the speech had been recorded i uh i asked the social media guy not to put it up if we lost because then i would have looked like a goose but uh, we ended up winning so i look like a um i look brilliant like a smart leader yeah mark is you know with wayne like the last few years he's been at south is he more of a man manager than a tactician comment yeah absolutely um you know he's sort of overseas training and and lets jd and, and benny run run the drills mm. as the defence and attack coaches. And um, he obviously, you know, will take the forwards if he thinks there's an area that we sort of need to work on and he might do a couple of drills. But in general, he sort of just, I guess he's he does what he's been doing for years and he sort of just gets gets to know the, the guy that he's coaching and, and knows what makes him tick and, as I said, keeps him happy and um, and confident and and makes them believe in themselves and then you know in like myself and you just don't want to let him down and and then um that obviously brings the best out of out of players and and as a result the best out of the team yeah now mark let's talk about the current chapter you're in at south sydney how did you move from the storm and then end up at the rabbitos where now you've gone through three prelims and a grand final so quite a bit of success uh yeah so um that year, 2017, so originally I went down to Melbourne on a 12-month contract and then um, had a few injuries and stuff and didn't play a lot of footy and sort of got towards the end of the year. I hadn't really heard from my manager at all and so I ended up just going to the club and asking, you know, I, I didn't really want to have to move again and go through that whole, um, you yeah, know, pre-season and trying to prove yourself. Mm. Uh, so I sort of, sort of, I just went into the storm and said if, is there going to be? Is there anything here for me next year? And and if not, I'm I'm thinking I'll probably just go play Q Cup. Um, I had that chat with my sort of development coach um, during a review of of my Q Cup game, and then that night Craig ended up ringing me and um, and sort of said, you know, that he'd heard I was thinking about just going to play Q Cup, and mm. and he said, you know, I, you would have played. I think you would have played NRL here if this year if you didn't have the injuries you did. Um, you know, I said. Um, you know, now that I am back, now that I was back playing Reggie's, um, I was playing good footy. I'd had a good preseason, just had some unfortunate injuries. And then, um, you know, I said, sort of leave it with us. There'll sort of be something here for you next year. And so the next day I went to the football manager and sort of said, well, can you make the offer to me directly? Because I haven't, uh, haven't heard from my manager for a while. And, um, you know, I'd rather take, take the five percent myself if i've organized this deal um so he sort of said yeah you just need to let him know that he's no longer representing you and um you know so i had another 12 months at melbourne and then i ended up that's that was the year i met my partner perry and um at one stage she sort of said what what happens if you have to move and you know because we were obviously just in a new relationship and i said oh you know i'm I got a 12-month deal last year when I didn't play. Surely I'll get another 12 months because this year I have played. Um, so I had the conversation again with the club and there actually wasn't a deal there for me. So I had to um, had to get a manager and and obviously we had to move. And um, there was sort of nothing really. I wasn't getting anything at all. And, um, and we sort of, I guess, were starting to get a little bit um, worried about what was going to happen. So I started... Sort of 
talking to a few Q Cup teams and um, and and sort of I, I ended up applying for a couple of jobs up in Brizzy and that's what I was going to do and um, and it was funny I just I wasn't getting any love up there with the jobs and stuff as well and sort of their grand final came and gone and then um, in the end Michael Maguire got replaced by Sebes and I think um, Jason Rolls. Um, put a good word in for me with Sebes and Dave Ferner was also at, at South Sydney. So, um, you know, my manager sort of rang me and said that South had called, Sebes had called or he had called Sebes just to see if there was going to be anything there. And um, in the end, um, Sebes gave me a call and sort of said, you know, if you want to come here, there might be an opportunity for you. Um, if you work hard, you never know. Um, he sort of said... You know, in terms of middles, we've got we've got a lot of bigger guys here at the moment, so um, we're looking for something a bit different. And uh, in the end, I spoke to Perry, and we sort of said, "Well, as you got, I've got nothing else to do." So we took the um, took the took the chance to come to South and move to Sydney. Yeah. Now, Mark, you know, off the field, you know, you've done a little bit of work with Souths in their office. A couple of years of work as a BDM as well, part time. What gave you that idea to start exploring an after an afterlife after footy? It was that um, I guess that two months of of our life, um, not knowing sort of you know what was going to happen with footy and not not having an NRL deal. Um, you know, and as I said, I started trying to apply for jobs and a couple of the Q Cup teams. I sort of you know I did a degree straight out of school, so mm. I did sports science and sports management, and then. Um, I guess just parked it. I sort of, we'd always, I guess, coming through, it was always, always sort of, um, I guess, encouraged to have a have a backup plan in case you don't make it. And um, you know, then all of a sudden, I was starting to apply for jobs, and it, you know, the feedback was, you know, you've got no experience. You've done a uni degree, but you know, you haven't done anything. Yeah. You've got no experience, and then I sort of my reply was because I've been trying to play NRL for you know seven years, but. Um, in the end, that, that that experience sort of when we moved to South, my wife said, you know, if this is going to be your last twelve months of footy, you better do, you know, you better do something to um to make sure that if if it doesn't work at South, there's at least a job at yep. the end of it. So that's that. The first twelve months was where I just went into um, Shannon Donato and just um, you know went one day a week in the, with the commercial team and sort of get I guess learn how the the other side of the football business ran, and then um, from there, that's how the opportunity came to um, to get the BDM role at Brand and and do try and do some sales and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I, I guess um, you know when I look at my footy career early on, you know, as coming through the grades and that last year, the the year that I debuted was my last year of uni. Um, you know, so the start of my career and, and the end of my career, I, I was always sort of doing stuff away from the field and it was the best years I had on the field. So, you know, now when, um, you know, when, when the club talks to me or asks me to have a chat to the younger guys, it's something I sort of, I guess, really encourage because, you know, I think when you're coming through as a young guy, it sort of gets said that you need to do it as a backup plan, mm. which you don't want to really think about because you just want to think about ma- actually making it and not, I guess, the flip side of, not making it and what you should do if you don't make it. You just want to focus on making it. And then 
But I guess the 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 angle that I try to say is, you know, when when you do have something away from the footy field, it it also, you know, personally, it's it's helped me. I guess it gives you that opportunity to sort of just get away from footy, even if it is one day a week or a couple of nights. Um, you know, studying and stuff like that, and having a passion, um, you know, away from the field can help. It doesn't, you know, have to be a hundred percent footy to sort of try and make it. Yeah, I think yeah, BDM roles great too because you come from a sporting background. Plenty of stories to tell the clients. It's a great way to open the doors too because people want to talk to sports people. So it's actually a great role, both that and relationship management as well. But how did you kind of because you only just stopped doing it at the start of the year? So what did your week kind of look like? Um, yeah, well, as, as I said, it's sort of, um, you know, I just used to do it on my day off. We were always, we always have two days off before a game. Yep. Um, so I'd go into the office, uh, you know, and, and if I had meetings, um, you know, I'd go into the office or go to the meetings first and then go to the office or vice versa. And then you know, if I had to take a meeting, um, you know, and, and it wasn't going to be on that day off, I'd just try and organize it after training or, um, you know, on a on a lighter day um, at training, and um, you know, obviously last year had to had to um, pivot to doing some Zoom calls and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I sort of when COVID happened, um, you know, I, I sort of always had, a, I guess, a passion. If I didn't go to uni, I wanted to do building, um, and so I've always sort of wanted to go into that construction space. Uh, so when COVID happened, I decided to go back to uni and do project management with the um, intention of trying to do, trying to get into that space post footy. So, um, you know, at the start of the year, I guess, um, yeah, I made the decision to sort of try and replace that BDM role with some experience um, in project management, given that's what I want to do after footy. So um, I've had a few opportunities in that space come up recently, actually, since I posted that photo of on my LinkedIn of, of um, graduating, that's getting getting my graduate certificate. So, yeah, it's I guess, as I said, I've, I've worked out that that's what helps me play better footy, so I'm not going to stop um, trying to do stuff away from footy now. Yeah, for sure. Have you have you noticed, like, working how many – because a lot of rugby league players, they struggle once they finish sports to think all the skills that you've learnt during sports, most of them don't think it's transferable. But now that you're doing both at the same time, has that opened your eyes to how many are transferable over to the business world? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, it's something that um, at different points I've, I've spoken to um, career coaches. I guess it's, you know, when I was applying for jobs, it probably wasn't something, you know, it, it was coming through on my resume that I had no experience. It was... Mm. Yeah, that was probably more, you know, what I was putting on my resume. You know, if you just put NRL player, uh, probably doesn't stick out. But when you put the characteristics that you need to be an NRL player, like, you know, just work ethic and, um, you know, motivation and uh, all these things, you know, ability to ability to handle criticism, um, under you know, perform under pressure, all this stuff. Um, you know, it does relate to jobs. It just... It just someone just obviously needs to take a um, a chance on um, someone who might not have experience, but probably has you know good characteristics. And I've met some people um, since that have sort of, I guess, pointed pointed that out to me that mm. um, you know it probably wasn't what I, it was probably what I wasn't putting on the resume that that wasn't helping um, with those jobs. But 
in saying that, it's probably a good thing too because if I got a good job in in um, in Queensland, I might have taken it and then all of a sudden um, not worried about the South offer. But, um, you know, it's it's I guess it's um, it's something, as I said, it's, it's something that I'm doing because it helps my footy, but I guess the the other benefit is, yeah, when, when footy finishes, I won't be at that point where I was once in my life where you sort of, for some people, you finish footy and then all of a sudden it's, you know, you're on the edge of a cliff and you don't know what, what you're going to do next. And, um, yeah, I, I, I sort of, I guess it's it's going to help when that day comes. To for sure. What I want to do and, and hopefully I've created some um, relationships that will help me do that too. Definitely. Now, Mark, last part of the potty, I want to talk to you about 2021 and to start things off, let's let's just go through some of these highlights because they're brilliant. Keep going now, left side for Walker, floats it over the top, here goes Burns, here comes Benny, back inside, Nichols has forced his way through like Big Mel on the kangaroo to him. Oh my God, that looked big. Right in front of the uprights, five out, Nichols gets it there. Mark Nichols scores for the Rabbitohs. 12-6. Cross the face of Mario. Oh, he's got a double. Mate, some of those lines that you're running, back to the back roller days, how good. But that try that you stole, you surely would have had to shout him a few beers for that one. <laughs> yeah, Hostie's been, um, he's been my roommate all year. So um, at one stage he sort of said, you know, like, Anyone else, he would have been filthy, but because it was me on my hundredth, like, how can you get angry at that? Um, but yeah, it was funny. I, I didn't even see him. Like, just my eyes lit up, and all I seen was the ball. And um, yeah, watch it back. I didn't realize that you know I literally took it out of his hands to um, to score the try. And it's funny because it, he'd already scored one too, so it would have been his first double. Um, but yeah, as I said, we've been roomies all year, so I was probably lucky that it was him. Yeah, um, and and vice versa. He he was just happy that it was me. Anyone else, he, he reckons he would have been filthy. Yeah, but Mark, this player that you become because your first six years of first grade only twenty eight games, but your last four eighty two games, three prelims and a grand final. I know that you were a lot more settled off the field, but there's probably more and more that that added to make a bit of an ingredient for this player that you are now as a starting prop in a grand final team. Can we talk? Can we just explore that a little bit more of kind of what's happened over these last four years to make you such a consistent player? Yeah, I, I think we sort of touched on it a little bit. It's probably a bit of everything, you know. Like I, I sort of went down to Melbourne, um, became a better player. I, I came to South and um, yeah, I've sort of got a little bit of an opportunity underseas. But then Wayne came, and you know, I, I've told this story before, but um, you know, I think it, it was sort of first or second week of January and um, and sort of Wayne had only been at the club for like a month and we sort of just had a meeting before training and he asked me and Junior Totola to, to sort of stay stay back after the meeting and then he sort of said, you know, I've been here a month, I've watched every game from you guys last year and, um, you know, you two guys I think should have played more minutes than what you did and, and in my case more games and, um you know, he sort of just said, I've watched you guys train now for a month um, and said, regardless of what happens between here and round one, I'm going to pick you both on the bench um, as the two front, the two replacement front rowers and and just said, you don't have to worry about that now. Like, you know, um, 
just go out and, and train like an NRL player and, and know that you're going to be there round one. And, um, and, and, you know, for a guy who'd been on the fringe all his career, it was sort of just, um, you know, I couldn't believe it really. I, I mm. sort of, that point of the of preseason, most coaches are sort of saying, you know, I'm going to pick the team round one on, on trials and, and how you're training. And, you know, in reality, there's, there's probably 15 spots have already already been chosen, um, you know, by guys' pay, pay packets and, and reputation and stuff like that, you know. Um, you know, so for a coach to sort of come out eight months, eight weeks before the season had even started and saying, I'm, I'm going to pick you no matter what, um, I think it just it just gave me and Junior, you know, a lot of confidence and and belief in those things that I spoke about what Wayne does so well. And and in the end, you, you sort of just because he's given you that, you don't want to let him down. And mm. um, you know, I guess from there, both both of our careers have sort of um, you know taken off the last three years, and we both sort of become consistent, you know, footy players. Um, and we both sort of, I guess, started starting front rowers in a grand final team. And um, as I said, for me, especially for me as a fringe player, it was just sort of, you know, just I, I still can't believe, I still can't believe that it, that it happened. But you know, and from that from that point on, obviously, I sort of, you know, when you're a fringe player, you're sort of always worried about getting dropped, I guess, because yeah. you, you've you've been dropped so many times before, and. Um, I guess you're sort of waiting for it to come, um, but when you sort of don't have to worry about that, all of a sudden you just you're enjoying your footy and you know getting getting confident. Sorry, and then um, you know it sort of just snowballed over the three years. I just sort of kept getting kept getting better and kept getting more confident and and um, and yeah, as I said, it's crazy to think um, this year what I, what I, what I achieved this year and what the team achieved, especially from sort of where I've come from in my career. So, um, yeah, I think it's just the just the whole whole heap of things falling into place. Yeah. And you know what's also great? With with science and sports science, all that sort of stuff improving, like 20 years ago when we were all growing up, at 31 you now, you would have been nearly the end of your career. Now it seems that you're just coming into this your peak. Like you could have another four or five good years left in you, mate. Yeah, I um – when I uh, when I re-signed that first year under Wayne, um, you know the club originally had sort of made a twelve month offer, which is um, you know at that stage in in my life, um, Perry and I were looking to get married, um, and obviously you know looked to start a family, and um, I sort of just went went and had a chat to Wayne and said, you know, I've sort of been off contract or signing twelve month contracts for five years, like. You know, if there's is there any chance that I could get a second year? And um, and sort of Wayne asked how old I was. I said, oh, you know, I'd be turning thirty in January. And then he sort of, you know, thought for a couple of seconds. Then he goes, oh mate, I only play you for thirty minutes every week. You'll play till you're thirty five. <laughs> yeah, leave it with me. I'll get you second year easy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I um, yeah, it's it's. I guess it is pretty funny to think that, yeah, you know, I'll be thirty two in January that you could. You know, be getting better as a football player, but um, you know, I guess with that sports science and stuff like that, um, you know, training programs are sort of tailored now, and um, you know, we get a lot more time off than than the older blokes used to get back in the day, and um, yeah, probably just 
I guess, you know, you still get some guys that play to their mid-late 30s. It's um, it's crazy. Yeah, for sure. Now, wrap things up, Mark. It's my <laughs> dinner party question. You've got – this is my last one I'll ask everyone. Five invites to a private dinner party. Now, the only rules, Mark, no family or friends, but you can invite anyone dead or alive. Who would you like to invite to dinner? Oh, wow. Did you say five? Yeah. Um, oh, jeez. I'd probably uh, – I'd, go, I'd start with Michael Bevan. He was my um, favourite cricket player growing up. How good was that? Remember that four he hit off that last ball at the SCG? Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I got to interview him, actually. It was awesome. Oh, how good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I had a big poster. Of, the, the biggest poster I had as a kid was of Michael Bevan. Yep. Um, and then at one stage, my mum met him and got – Got like a coaster. I think it was like the Molly Mook RSL. I sort of said to Mark Michael Bevan. So how good uh, was my prized possession as a kid. Yeah, uh, and then I guess I'd have to invite Billy Slater because he was my favourite football player growing up. Uh, <laughs> Did you get chills when you met him? Yeah, it was funny because I, um, I, I obviously you know like I grew up I grew up supporting the Storm. So then to end up at the club. Um, was crazy, but yeah, when I was twelve or thirteen, and you know, they used to play a lot of Saturday afternoon games. So I'd play footy on the Saturday, and we we didn't have Foxtel as a family, but my um, grandparents had it. So I'd ride my bike out to my grandparents to make sure I watched the Storm game every Saturday, and um, and then that was sort of when Billy was, you know, had debuted and killed yeah. it as a young guy, and um, <laughs> as a fullback then, he was just so electric and. Uh, I didn't sort of say anything to him, but after 2017 when they won the GF and I had a few beers in me, I knew I was leaving and Billy was retiring and sort of thought, oh, I might not get this chance again. So I went and asked for a photo with him and um, and sort of said, you, you know, like you were my favourite player growing up, which is probably, you know, for a front row to say to a fullback's already funny enough, but the fact that I'd already been, you know, playing with him and training with him for two years before I told him, he probably thought I was, you know, bit strange but um <laughs> had a few beers in me and then knew the opportunity was probably never going to come again so uh i got a photo with billy um which was a bit of a fan fanboy moment but um yeah so he, he would get a run um probably have to invite someone you know a bit of a country country music fan so oh, yeah nice yeah someone to play some tunes so um We'll go maybe uh, Luke Coombs. Okay. Uh, do you get a, do you cop a little bit of stick in the Rabbitohs dressing room for your country music, mate? Uh, nah, not really. It's probably helped having Wayne there, okay. to be honest. I think um, if Wayne doesn't like the music, he turns it off. So, <laughs> um, so, so when the music gets turned off, it either comes back with country or something a bit, bit, bit older. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's probably helped. Like, there's, you know, obviously a few of the boys like Latrell and Cody and that love love their country as well. So um, it gets played a little bit every now and then, um, which is good. So yeah, I'd invite Luke Coombs and then, um, geez, can't think who else I'd uh, who else I'd have. Put me on the spot a little bit. No um, problems, mate. No problems at all. Well, Mark. I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. It's been a great chat. Now, before I let you leave, now, Instagram, you're on there at Marky Nico, and you're also participating like as you've done for a few years now in November. So people can just jump on your page and support you that way, right? 
yeah, I've, I've got the the link in my bio on my Instagram. Um, it's crazy. I uh, I sort of I put a bit of a bit of a post up um, a couple of days ago, just about a bit of a giveaway, mm. um, just to see if I could get a few more donations and. It went crazy. The South fans um, really came to the party. So, nice. Uh, when are you closing that one, mate? The uh, the giveaway. Yeah, I'll do it on. I'll do it on December the first. Okay, so. perfect. Well, I'll have this podcast out on Monday, which will be what's that? The twenty second of November. So, everyone listening, yeah. you've still got about a week to get in and participate in Mark's little giveaway there. So, jump on board. Yep. Yeah, jump on board. Good cause, and uh, you know. Even better mo at the moment. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, Mark, appreciate you sharing all your stories and your journey, mate. Wish you all the best for season 2022, mate. And, yeah, let's hopefully catch up again sometime, bud. Thanks for having me on, mate.